or something. Can't figure out for sure what that is. Isn't that good? It's some kind of new brand she bought at Bed Bath & Beyond. I had the one that's the uh, banana split coffee. I just hope they didn't put sugar in it. Hey, Robert. Hey, Rita. Hope you can hear today. Ron, real quickly, we got three. There's uh, Mike. Great to see you guys. Robert Davis, good morning. I could sit here for an hour and say hi. Hey, Tommy Hawk, thank you for sharing all of our posts that you do. You're a very good sharer of the good news. Carrie, glad you're here. All right, we're going to start. Uh, I was talking to Kay Fairchild this morning. She's uh, woke up to minus 8 degrees and ice there. So hope that never happens here. My palm tree will make it to minus 8. So have we ever been that cold here? Not windshield, but actually cold. But she said it's very cold. So they, she's already announced that they're not having their services to, this afternoon. So I'm going to be disappointed because I really enjoyed listening to that. And I'm writing it every week. So I said, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? <laughs> but I have plenty to do. So take a nap. <laughs> that would be good. Take a long nap. These cold mornings, sometimes you just don't want to get up. So... Well, we're continuing our study on our third volume of No Penal Substitution, and we're still in Chapter 2. I think this is my eighth lesson that I'm teaching out of this. So uh, we've been talking about the last couple weeks, the difference of sin, sins, and what else? Remission, right? Yeah. That's what we talked a lot about last week. So we're going to continue with this for a few more lessons because it's important. You hear, I would say, the majority of times that you ever go to church, you're going to hear about sin. Would you agree? I don't, doesn't matter what the title of the sermon is, somewhere or another, it's going to come up and talk about sin. And so that's why we've been so sin conscious. You know, uh, most of the people that have stayed with us at Trio Life Fellowship over the years, they have a real ice cream problem because I talk about ice cream a lot, right? How many in here has an ice cream problem? You like ice cream? And I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't have a problem with it. But just what you hear over and over and over it takes root inside your, your conscious awareness, and so you're consciously aware of that all the time. And sin conscious just means we think about it. We dwell on it, and then next thing you know, we self-condemn ourselves. And there's, it's not necessary when you know the truth. And there's no shortage of books that teach this perception of what Jesus' shed blood did. Uh, you can go to libraries, you can go on the internet, and there were probably millions and millions and millions of sermons and or billions of sermons that's taught about the shed blood of Jesus, and without it, we'd all be doomed, right, to eternal hell. And uh, Donna was asked me uh, last week before I taught, that Saturday before we had a conversation about sin and the blood of Jesus, and, and I just promptly informed her, we do not have to plead the blood of Jesus anymore. I'm thankful that Jesus was willing to go to the cross. I'm thankful that he was willing to suffer what they did because he was, in my version of it, is he just said, you want a sacrifice, I'll be the sacrifice. You know, and that should have been enough. <clears throat> and the truth is, <clears throat> after that, the Jews never sacrificed anything again. So there must have been something took place in their mind that they stopped doing it, and they can't answer why they quit sacrificing, but they quit sacrificing. So... We know that Jesus' blood had nothing to do with the appeasement of our Father whatsoever. Would you give me some tap water? <clears throat> not, not cold, just tap water. It was man's doing, right? 100% man's doing. And so what it did, it, was, it liberated us 
to live out of our eternal life. Seeing what Jesus did, his willingness to, uh, that not just to teach us, but literally I'm going to show you what life is and how powerful life is. And to me, the resurrection, and, and Kay pointed this out first, the resurrection is the gospel, and it was shown us that God never left man where they were at whatsoever. And Jesus showed us the power of our life inside of us. So it liberated us to live out of eternal life <clears throat> because Jesus did submit to this. And this was the, the uh, Hebrew leader's uh, um, idea that sacrifice was needed. And when I, I like to say Hebrew because sometimes people want to blame Jews today. And it's kind of silly. You can't, you can't blame anybody today for what happened hundreds of years ago. Yet people want to do that constantly. So we never had a need to earn a better life. We never had any kind of need to earn favor with God. We thought we did. We never had a need to earn provision. We thought we did. This life was always ours. We always had things that pertain to life and godliness and uh, how to live out of a spiritual life and uh, resurrection life, if you would, because every one of us need to be resurrected from a false sense of of being just a human, you know, and that we're supposed to be this way and we're not. <clears throat> so what did Moses do out of uh, his mythological influence when he became aware of Jehovah? He immediately thought there needed to be sacrifice, right? We, I've talked about this a lot over the years. And then when Abraham had an experience with God, he thought there needed to be sacrifice. And to tell you the truth, every one of us, when we first had an experience we were taught that we needed to sacrifice some things. We need to give up our way of life. We need to give up our hairstyles, the way we wear makeup, everything. We literally sacrifice things to please God, to become more like God. Then we were taught to sacrifice our money, right? And our time, our talent, our treasure. I've taught that before. I was really good at teaching about we need to sow our time, our talent, and our treasure. You know, And I don't know that I really later years said we needed to give it to God, but I did believe we needed to give it to the church. You know, and again, I say if you're part of a fellowship and there's expenses and there's rent and, uh, and uh, salaries, you should give, you know, and you should give out of the abundance of your heart. So <clears throat> back in chapter one of this uh, volume three here, we explain that we can, we can stop using the division of the old and the new covenant because God did not change from the way he was in the Old Testament to who he is because Jesus went to the cross. But the way we were taught that is we thought that was true. In the Old Testament, he was angry. He was killing people. He was telling people to kill people. But in the New Testament, because of what Jesus did, all that stopped. <clears throat> but we were still taught that God could be angry with us. Correct? So, But he didn't change. God says, I change not. As he was... Before time, he is today. Father always is. And again, uh, when I say he, he, I'm not talking about a gender or anything. I'm talking about the father nature and, and our father. So we thought, thought father became different. And the thing that changed from old to new was man's expectation, if you would. Man's mentality changed. <clears throat> I do believe that there were people there when Jesus taught that listened to him and understood. And, you know, of course, religiosity came in and began to rob those things from them. But they, they began to see the love of God. They begin to understand God, but then the Romans came in, the Jewish leaders came in and began to destroy that. So, you know, we could call this the liberated life. You ever heard that phrase before, the liberated life? There's a lot of people preach on that. There's a lot of <clears throat> books that are written on it. 
If you Google it, it shows 1,501,000 links about the liberated life. So do you think people are seeking liberation? I do. People are always seeking to be free from something. The majority of people that walk into a church, unless they've just been there for year after year after year after year, and they're kind of numb, and this is what we do every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night. But the majority of people that seek a pastor, seek a priest, whoever it is, they're wanting to be liberated from something. Most of the time in most people's prayers, it's, it's been about being liberated from something until you become mature and you, be, you realize that you're to have conversations over other people for them to be experience the blessing that they have. But we have sought that. There's things in my life that I want to be liberated from today. But I realize I've already been liberated. And it's a choice that I have, you know, that choose you this day who you're going to serve. You know, like Kay's teaching in the mind brain, are you going to live out of the left side of your brain, which is all in the man's intellect and everything with no influence from the right side, which is, is the, the, the Christ mind? Are you going to serve that voice of spirit within inside of you? Serve that, serve who you really are and follow after who you really are. So there's only one answer, and it's by putting your confidence in what Jesus came to reveal to us and many other people before him have done through the generations. In Hebrews eleven six, my translation in there, it says, Without confidence in what Jesus revealed, it would not be possible to agree with what Father decided, decreed, and decided, uh, decreed and declared from the foundation before the foundation of the world. And that's the problem is, is without you can't put confidence in something you don't know. Right? I have confidence in you guys, but there's some people down the street that I don't know. And I can't tell you that I'm confident that they would be good friends. I'm not confident that they'd be fun to be around. I'm not confident that they would have my back door, you know, or, or my back. You know, Butch Hodge always tells me, I've got your back, you know, and I'm confident if I had a real problem that I needed help, Butch would be there. And same thing with you, because I know, I know, and to, to know somebody, you have to spend time with somebody. You know, so the problem is the reason people aren't confident in their father is because the version of their father that they've been spending time with is not the real father. Does that make sense? Because if you have a false version of somebody and you put confidence that when the need really comes, it's not going to happen. So Jesus released mankind. He freed mankind. And that's what the word remission is. Remission is the ability to live out of the newness and the freshness of life, which is your holy the holy breath of our Father, our life. Colossians 3, 4 says, When your spirit life rendered very apparent to you, then shall you also appear as Son in all the Father's glory. You know, you can say when your spirit becomes very apparent for you, uh, 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 to you, then you will live as spirit. Or when your holy breath becomes very apparent to you, then you will live as the holy breath of Father God. And so we have a choice as to how we live. Everybody has a choice. You're lying to yourself when you say, I can't live, I can't have a better life. I can't help what I do. Yes, you can. You can help it. And it's not by following a bunch of rules and regulations. It's just, it's learning and, and learning how to live out of your holy breath. Learning how to live out of your spirit if you need to hear the word spirit. So the blood freed us from the old worn out way of living and liberated us to life and life more abundantly. And how did that happen? Is that Jesus, what Jesus did was to stop the sacrificial system. But the problem is, is religiosity came back in and this made other sacrifices. Again, I said your time, your talent, your treasure, whatever it is, it was something to please God. 
And if you're doing anything to please God, then that's a, that's a sin because God's already pleased with you. And so it's a, it's, the Bible calls it dead works, correct? So we want to bring consistency to what we are teaching. And we will use several more verses here today, uh, possibly some next week, talking about remission, talking about sin. Uh, because out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And so we have several different uh, places in the Bible that we can see this and understand the truth. First one is Mark 1.4. And this is how I translated it last night. <clears throat> uh, John did baptize people away from the city. You know, it said in the wilderness. Wilderness is a place of been alone. So he had to get away from the religious leaders. And he baptized people because that was a custom back then to baptize people in water. And he preached the absorbs, absorption of the mindset of guilt and shame for freedom of a mistaken identity and the hindering fruit thereof. That's what actually the word, I, I, I believe it means the absorption. So who absorbed all that mistaken identity? identity? Jesus did. He preached that Jesus was coming, John the Baptist. And he preached what Jesus was going to do. And he came to absorb all the lie. And how he did that is he told the truth. Correct? If, if you know, you believe that you're poor and I come to you and tell you that you're not, let me take you, show you some money that your grandpa left in a checking account, then that absorbs the lie if you believe it. And that's the important thing is, do you believe? And Jesus over and over and over asked people, do you believe? Do you believe? Correct? And my favorite one is when, the, and you've heard me say it, I don't know how many times, but when a man came to him and asked him to heal a child, Jesus said, I will, do you believe? And the man said, yes, Lord, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. So he had a measure of belief. I, I believe that you can heal because I've seen you healing people. But there's a lot of things I don't know about you that I need help with. And that's what we need to admit. There are a lot of things I believe because I've seen it. I believe the joy of the Lord is my, I've seen the joy of the Lord come over people in a great way. I believe people have received healing. They've tapped into healing and, and miracles. I believe all that. I don't say it wasn't real. I believe all that, but, but there's more to believe. And because what Kay said, we don't want to walk in temporal things. We want to walk in permanence of life. And so Lord, help me. There's things I don't know yet that I want to know. And then what, we, what do we do? We set at the feet of the master. We sit at the feet of teachers and we listen to teachers that can bring us up higher and higher and higher. So the absorption was Jesus absorbing all the confusion of man during the death side of the cross. The crucified, died, buried was literally him taking on what men th thought needed to happen. And he, the crown of thorns to me was him bearing the confusion that man bore. So we again see remission, we, uh, meaning freedom, not forgiveness. That's important for us to understand. Remission is about all about freedom. You look it up in the Greek and it says freedom. It doesn't say forgiveness. Liberated. Then we see, huh? Liberated. Liberated. And then again, we see sins as in plural. So each verse we will look at will have sins, plural, and none of them are singular, what we're going to look at right now. So when we are set free from the old way of living and liberated in a newness of life, the disease of sin, which it was man's mistaken identity, when we get free from that, then it will deal with the sins, correct? So we need to get rid of the disease and quit dealing with the sins. And as I said last week, most of the church world has always dealt with the sins. And there again, we have courses for alcoholics. We have courses for people who eat too much. We have courses for people that have been abused. The list goes on and on and on. And it's always been about sins. And the same thing in the medical field. 
most of the time they deal with symptoms, not the disease. They try to go to the disease, but just think about our friend Rod. Uh, he's been getting this chemo and different med medications, and it's caused the disease is cancer. The real disease is we don't know who we are, but the disease that man labels it as cancer, but the symptoms are coming from all the stuff that they're doing to them. So once they start treating them with radiation, then they got to treat something else. Once they start treating cancer, they got to treat something else. They start giving all kinds of medicines and then all of a sudden your blood pressure goes up. So we got to deal with your blood pressure or it goes down, you know, your potassium go, all that stuff. And to me, that's a picture of it. And the truth is we need to get to the cause of cancer. If we get to the cause of cancer, there will be no more cancer. And we know what it is. Everybody knows what it is. It's the intake that we take into our bodies. Yes, sometimes the, gene, the DNA gets messed up in people, but I believe, I believe the life of God flowing through us can deal with that. Amen? That's another subject. I'm not going to keep on that. But if religiosity had not continued to change the scripture to enforce this, this lie of us being a sinner needing saved, I believe we would already be free from the mistaken identity. I believe the majority of the world would really know who they are. Do you think that would be true? If that, if that lie hadn't been preached to us over and over. I sat in church, a religious system, until I was uh, probably 50 years old, pretty close to 50 years old, before I really began to learn. And that's, that's almost 50, let's say at, 50, at five years old, I began to hear stuff. That's almost uh, 45 years of hearing the lie. That's a lot of stuff, you know, and you take a computer and the whole life of that computer, it's been getting wrong data. It's going to take a long time to get that data out of there, correct? Most of the time, you'd be better off just to throw that hard, hard, hard drive away and get a new one. <laughs> but fortunately, we don't have to do here because the word is quick and powerful as a two-edged sword, and it's able to divide asunder that which is of your holy breath or of your Christ's mind and that which is of the carnal, carnal realm. Huh? Delete, delete, delete. delete, delete. <laughs> but you've got to put your head up on the chopping block. Yes. And the chopping block is the truthful word of God. And so it's a disgrace that we're, we are in the year 2020 and people are still dealing with religious symptoms. Still dealing with problems. Brother Garner used to say, you know, he was teaching his understanding of the gospel and, and he, he, people would come and say, yeah, but I need you to do something about my sin. Do something about this. I know pastors that quit teaching the finished work because the congregation wanted to deal with their problems. And you talk about spiritual burnout. When a pastor has to deal with the congregation's problems himself, it's going to wear them out. And it does all the time. So we're... We're doing that repeatedly. We're helping people repeatedly by explaining to people who they really are. We teach and explain to every person we can. They are the face and they are the embodiment of the Father. They're, and when I go out into, in, into public, there's very seldom a time that I don't tell somebody that they are the face of God and that they're the image of God. And you, you were born righteous and you were born holy. You're not a sinner. You're not what you do, family. You're not a liar. You're not a cheater. You're not, you're not whatever the list that goes on and on. That's not who you are. Those are things that you do because it's the fruit of not knowing who you are. When you look at somebody that's treating you bad or whatever, the, the greatest thing you could do, I don't know if you saw that article I wrote on hate on Facebook, 
But if you don't see them and look through all that and see them who they really are, it turns into hate inside of you or disdain or whatever it is. It's, it's, it allows a poison inside of you. And it, it is a great battle because you become, you know, they, they, they pour that stuff out on you. But you have to constantly remind yourself that's not who they really are. I have a relative that I'm dealing with, and she's not really functioning out of a right mind, in my opinion. But I, I am the, the one that she pours her poison out on. And I had to fight the good fight of faith that she's righteous, she's holy. This is not who she is. It's just a mental problem. Or it's just a, it's, it's a habit that's been going on for many, many years. And I think a lot of things aren't so much you're mentally ill and you need a drug. I think it's a, haba- a, a, a habitual way of living and a way of responding to people. And you're hurting, so you hurt other people. <clears throat> so Paul wrote, What know you not that you are the dwelling place of Father? You're the naos. You're the, you're the entire temple. We're not just what we call We're the entire temple of God. Every bit of God. He repeatedly taught his students who they were and how they came to be who they were from the foundation. Not by their obedience of the doing to be laws and rules, but you are this because this is who you were born, how you were born and who you were born to be. So how do we deal with the mistaken identity? Well, we apply the fact that the great lie of separation has no dominion over us. When you know the truth, nobody can tell you that you're a sinner. When you know the truth, nobody can put labels on you, and then you identify with that. But we didn't know the truth, so we sat in churches all over the world, and we listened to preachers say, you're just a sinner saved by grace, and we just proudly said, amen, preach it, brother, preach it, brother, right? We did. And we always talked about how we, a church wasn't good unless they preached us under the pews or down to the pews. And today, we don't need pews, <laughs> I mean, first, my generation doesn't because our knees are shot. <laughs> I want to say, can I just sit down to get saved, please? <laughs> but we don't need pews where people go down and weep and cry. And, but if they need that, we'll go with them. Sure. But we're going to teach them the truth. We're not going to sit there and bind devils at them and rebuke devils and plead with God to deliver. We're going to say, listen to me. Stop your crying. And that's what, that's what the, the messenger said in Revelation to John. Stop your crying. You don't have to worry about somebody going to do all this. It's already done. It's been done since the foundation of the world. So we have the victory over the realm of appearance. It's just the realm of appearance. Somebody might be presenting themselves as a drunkard, but that's not who they are. Look through that. You know, you would your child, wouldn't you? If you, you love that child and you wouldn't sit there and just label them with all kinds of stuff that we have because we didn't know to look through that and see who they really are. So the carnal realm seeks to dictate to us the idea of something that has a power over us. That is, that is a, a, a false life. And how many people profess that they have a habit that they can't break? You ever heard people say that? And that's a lie. It's repeating what carnality has infected them within their awareness. That I've done this all my life. This is just who I am. My mama did it. My daddy did it. You know, you know my, my mama's chubby. My daddy's chubby. And I'm going to be chubby. And my children are going to be chubby. That's just the way it is. No, it's not. So it appears to be true, but it's not. We are freed from the disease. 
The disease is what? It's, it's the sin of, of a mistaken identity. Jesus came to free us from that, and religiosity came back in and lifted it right back up. It's like that Dagon God, I call it the Dagon God, in the Philistine camp. Uh, in fact, that, that was the place that, uh, uh, <laughs> I know his name now, I can't say it, Go, uh, that had his hair cut off. Samson. Samson. That was the temple that Samson destroyed. Yes. Did you know that? That was the temple. And that the Ark of the Covenant was placed in there, and they went in the next morning, and that fish god had fallen to his face. Mm-hmm. And they lifted it back up. And the story goes on and on. And that's what religious city does. A preacher, and I hear this all the time, there are churches that will invite somebody in like me, like Kay, like other people that are teaching truth, and they will teach the truth. And then after they leave, the preacher promptly gets up next Sunday and corrects everything they said. I've heard it happen so many times, and they'll have them come back again for some reason, and then they turn around and correct them. I've heard it for many, many years since I started following Brother Garner, John Cahill, and then I begin to teach, and people, and I've had it happen with me. So what they're doing is they're lifting that daggone God back up, and it's a false God, but it's a God because it's been given power over people's awarenesses. And we've got to realize that, that has, we're, we, we've been broke free from that. We are freed from disease that enables us to rise above symptoms. And when you're free of the disease, what happens to the symptoms? They go away. You know, one of the physical diseases I've been suffering for a year and a half, more than a year and a half, is believing what the doctors were saying about me. I was trying to resist it but they just kept coming up with this problem and this problem and this problem and this problem and i'm not saying there's nothing wrong in my body my body but i'm telling you their answer was not the answer because all their answer was was a drug right mm-hmm. to the point that it came that they gave up and said oh you just need to go see a psychologist now here take this antidepressant pill and there's symptoms that you get more and more and more symptoms and i have to tell you my body was worse off a year and a half later than I was the day I first went in. The day I first went in, my, I've, I've got a, something wrong in my spine, probably a pinched nerve or something, but it was getting worse and worse. And all I wanted to know is, is this more than just a pinched nerve? And then you know the story. They got hold of me and it went downhill from there. And I think I learned a great lesson for that. A great lesson. So when we read, the only disease there is, the real disease there is, is a mistaken identity. And when we learn who we are, we are son. And, you, and I like what Kay said in the, uh, the, the mind-brain connection in the book of Revelation. You can put S-U in there if you want to, because the son is powerful. It's, 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 it's an energy force. Without the son, we wouldn't exist, Right. So we've got to realize without sun in this earth, without us being sun in this earth, this earth is living a life of non-existence. There are volcanoes and there are earthquakes and there are tsunamis and there are other kinds of stuff going on, cancer and you name it. Because sun won't rise up. A many-membered sun won't rise up and, and really be masters over this earth. And how, how do, how, how's a good master function? He teaches and he guides and he leads and says, this is the way to do it and this is the way to do it, and rather than beat people into submission all the time. Romans 6, 14, and this is translated, 
Uh, it says, a mistaken identity for you, never. <laughs> Got an explanation mark on there. A mistaken identity for you, never. For you are not under any do-to-be laws. You are the holy breath of your father. That's, I believe that's how Paul said that. Never. You don't have to live with a mistaken identity. Don't come and tell me you're this or you're that. You are son. More than you are German or English or, or black or white or pink or red or yellow, whatever you identify with, you're not that. Right. And I'm not telling you don't say that's who you are because I'm against pink people. <laughs> I'm not against pink people or white people or red people, whatever you want. But you're identifying with the wrong thing. You need to identify that you are son of God. No matter what gender you are, no matter what race you are, no matter what home you grew up, change your identification. You can do that just like that. You can agree with what Father God said about you. You are the face of God. My little six-year-old grandsons, like a lot of kids, they love these things they see on TV, and one of his favorite things is vampires. And he's every, almost every Halloween, he dresses up like a vampire, and he just loves it. But he loves it a little too much. He's, he says he loves to drink blood and, and all that stuff. And I, I told him the other day, I said, Ethan, you don't drink blood. And he said, I drink mine. You know how you get a cut and do this. And I said, well, everybody does that sometimes because it hurts. We kiss it, <laughs> you know. But I finally had to say, Ethan, I, you are not a vampire. You are my grandson. You are a young man. And I'm, ch- I'm going to change his identification. Because, you know, I'm not worried about it, but literally he identifies with that and he loves vampires. And, you know, that's OK if you want. And he thinks they're real. <laughs> but see, we have to get so adamant about people. We've got to quit, start saying, you know what? That's not who you are. You're not a man. You're not a woman. You're not a lesbian. You're not a homosexual. You're not a poor person. You're not you're not sick. You're not a sick person. You are son of God. Identify with that. And allow that to conform you to what God created to be. And what we've done is we've leaned to the left side of our brain, apart from the mind of God, and we've let it form whatever we want to form or let it conform to the world, right? We let it conform to the world. And we're not, like Paul said, lean to the mind of spirit. He said, be ye transformed. He said, be transformed by the renewing mind, not the renewing of the mind, but the renewing mind. What is the renewing mind? It's your right side of your brain, if you would. It's your Christ mind. But the problem is people are stubborn. They want what they want. They want to fight for the right to be who they be. And so look at the world. It's not Donald Trump's fault. It's not Nancy Pelosi's fault. It's not the government's fault. It's man's fault as a whole. And then it's produced everything else that we're seeing in the world today because people are living as carnal. And the list can go on and on. So why are we not under the law and the result sin? Because Jesus absorbed that great line. And I believe there are many more teachers. I talked to other ministers about this that I trust. And I believe there are many more teachers that were even on the planet before Jesus came that was teaching truth. They were teaching truth. You can study the ancient fathers, you can study ancient masters, and, and uh, which we've been taught not to, right? Oh, stay away from those things. You know, when I began to teach signs and symbols, my, my, my wonderful uncle was dying, and I began to share that stuff, and he said, oh, Roy, you need to stay away from that. That's dangerous. But what is it dangerous to, me or to what we've been taught? 
when people tell you something's dangerous, you need to, why are they telling me that, right? And so I, I don't say study Eastern religions apart from knowing that God is our source. But I do believe some of them had some tremendous truth. They really did. And that's why I like this mind-brain connection that Kay's teaching because literally she's going inside of our body and showing us truth. Because the Bible says we are what? Fearfully. That means reverentially and wonderfully made. You know, people that make our cars today, that designed them and invented all, they could say this car is fearfully and wonderfully made. Our cars are unbelievable. I mean, the technology in them and what they do, you can almost just put it on that control that uh, the cameras watch the lines on the road and you can almost take your hands off the wheels. Don't ever do it. But literally, I've tried it. I've just barely touched my wheel to see what, and it keeps me right in that lane. Now, if there's something that happens, I'm in trouble. But I'm just saying the, the, the computers and the technology, it's, it's fearfully and wonderfully made. And if I made those things, I would be, man, that's an awesome thing I made. Well, God said, you're fearfully and wonderfully made, greater than any other thing in this earth. You're greater than any computer that ever existed on planet Earth. I'm amazed how I sit in there and study. And, and this, my, my, my uh, Christ mind will just bring all things to my remembrance. I mean, I've studied since 1988. I've spent hours and hours, and there's a lot in there that I don't, you know, I would say I forgot more than I remember, but I haven't. It's there. But when I tap into the Christ mind, it knows where it is, and it draws it out, and I hear this verse, and I hear this statement, and it just, I just sit there and think, wow, I'm really smart. <laughs> no. I'm teasing. <laughs> So, why are we not under the law? Well, Jesus absorbed that lie. And now what we have to deal, deal with is harmateno, which are sins of the flesh or the fruit of, the, uh, fruit of sin. We deal with the sins by removing the lie. That's how we deal with it. We deal with the sins, which is whatever you want to list, the fruit of not knowing. We, we don't deal with those things. We remove the lie. Correct. Now, if I'm chubby wibby, <laughs> I'm a little chubby, but if I need to deal with the, what I would say the sin of being fat, because it is a sin, sins, it's a result of not knowing who you are, right? What I need to remove <laughs> is what I'm bringing into my mouth that causes that. And what I need to remove is the lack of activity that allows it to continue. So there's some things that I can, I can do to remove that. You know, and the lie is, is we believe what the food industry said to us. And they're saying, here, this is food. It's good for you. <laughs> right? So just, just a little example there, folks. <laughs> so in the natural body, if the disease is gone, the symptoms will naturally disappear. You don't have to worry about the symptoms if you find out what the disease is. Correct? The cause of the disease. The disease is a lack of of knowing who you are. It's a mistaken identity. Where did the mistaken identity come from? From your parents, from people around you, from your churches that you grew up in? So remove that. If you're still sitting in a, a, a fellowship that's constantly reminding you that you're just a sinner, I would say get up and get out and find a place that's teaching the truth. 
right now, too many people are happy with that. I believe that's one of the biggest reasons why we don't have a bigger congregation. We don't have to have one. We do out on the Internet. But you know what? I want to see it happen in Oklahoma City. I want to see it in Chickasha. I would love to be able to go to Chickasha and teach and go to Norman and teach and, and different places and teach. I really don't think I, I'm going to, but I don't think I really have to go back in the funeral industry to, to work. I, I really believe that I, I could go out, but there's not enough people that want to hear right now. And, you know, that's not up to me to, to go out and say, you got to hear, you got to hear. People got to get hungry, Right. If you open up a restaurant somewhere and you provide a certain type of food and people are coming, maybe they're not hungry for that kind of food. Maybe you need to get something different than what they've been eating on all their lives. That's something that's appetizing. So it's up to us to deal with the signs and symptoms. We, we do that by recognizing that Father laid the axe or Jesus laid the axe to the root that caused death in all people. He did that for his generation. See, the problem is, is we're living, we're trying to live out of what Jesus did. He was, he was there for the Jews. Do you not realize that? We literally have lifted Jesus up and made Jesus an idol. But he came to teach an ideal. He came to teach the truth. And there's been other teachers since Jesus. But you know what? People don't want to hear what other people, they just want to hear Jesus. I hear people on Facebook and I see them write all the time. Oh, Jesus is, not, is, is enough for me. Jesus, is, I, I, want to, I only want to hear Jesus. A guy wrote a post on the other day, and, and I thank him for honoring us, but he mentioned Kay Fairchild and me and Don Keithley and some other ministers and how he's learned so much from us, and he said, you should go listen to them. And, and these people, some people got on there and said, there you go again, tell us what we should do. And then a, another guy said, Jesus is enough for me. Well, sir, Jesus lived 2,000 years ago. Jesus, Jesus ascended back into the spiritual, and I believe Jesus still exists in the spiritual, but Jesus said, I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask Father to send you many, many more comforter teachers to explain these things to you. And it saddens me how few people really want a comforter teacher in their life. Most people say they don't need teachers or apostles or pastors or anything anymore. And uh, I just want to say, how's that working for you? So, What's that old saying we always say? A lie perceived to be a truth will affect you as though it is a truth. So why am I sick? Why am I having problems? Why can't I make it in life? Because we believed a lie. The whole thing is because you believed a lie. You believed a lie. And I had to say this, uh, and I'm not wanting to get into politics here, but I heard a guy talking on uh, the news the other day, and he was uh, of a different persuasion party. And he, he was talking about how the majority of America is poor, they can't get jobs, they're not making it, blah, 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 blah. And I finally saw what state he was from, and then I thought, well, it's not the majority of Americans, it's the majority of people that are living where you produce the lie, where you keep telling the lie that government is your source. If government is your source, you're going to live in poverty. You're only going to be allowed to have so much money and that's it, Right? I can tell you this, if you're going to let government be your source at the end of your life and you're going to end up going to a rest home, you know how much money they're going to let you have a month to spend on yourself? $75 a month. That's what government does for you because government has always been your source. Colossians 1.21. We were alienated. Where were we alienated at? In our left side of our brain. In our, in, our, in our mind, if you would, our left side of our brain. And that's a sense of separation. 
and in our left side of our minds, we were enemies. That's where that came from. You have the right side, you have the left side. I know you guys haven't heard a lot about this yet, but it's in Kay's teaching on the right side, left side. The right side of your brain is, is uh, happiness and joy and art, art stuff, flowers, beautiful. The left side is more like an analytical type thing. You can, you know, I've seen a picture where there's gears and all kinds of stuff. But that operating by itself without the Christ mind becomes carnal. And it goes after its own sensual desires. And that's why we say the two need to become one, right? And I'm sure I'm not explaining that as well as Kay would explain it to you. But if you believe that long enough, as you think in your awareness, then it becomes your reality, correct? So our reality was, sometimes I'm an enemy, sometimes I'm not, right? Like I said last week, we have a flower. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not, based on what we do or what we don't do. So you image what you believe of yourself, and then it appears that you're living out of a false Adamic sense of life, and there is no such thing as an Adamic sense of life. Adam didn't cause all people to be sinners, right? I saw somebody the other day that has been feeding on a lot of this that we're teaching, and that person still posted after the fall. There never was a fall. Adam never left the cool of the day. Adam never lost his, his spirit. He never lost the holy breath of God. He just perceived that he did. And that's why he said, as a man thinketh in his heart, it's not so is he. That was the lie of religiosity. As a man thinketh in his conscious awareness, so is his realization. How many of your realization been wrong many times? You know, how many people in the world have thought that I was a mean guy or I was mad all the time because I had a frown on my face? That was their realization, but it wasn't true. I've, uh, some of these people are new on here, but I used to be in the furniture industry. And one day I sold a $48,000 sale, a huge sale. And I was so excited, but I was busy. I was thinking, I need to tag this. I need to do this. And I was walking to the office and a lady looked at me and said, smile, it's not that bad. I just wanted to slap her. <laughs> I'm not mad. <laughs> but you can't go by your perceptions. You have to go by what's on inside of you. And so when we read or use the word forgiveness, we're talking about Jesus teaching the truth to drive the lie from us, right? I've read to you many times where the word forgiveness means to drive something away from you. If you, if you admit, if you, if you admit one to another, the Bible says if you confess your faults one to another, well, it's not talking about that. You, you, I can go to Carl and say, Carl, I'm struggling with a certain thing in my life. I just use ice cream again. I'm struggling with that. And he's my friend. Well, he can help me drive that away from me. He can say, Roy, don't drive by Brahms ice creams. You know where they're at. Just go another way. Don't go there. Don't put that visualization in front of you all the time. It's not that he's forgiven me of it. It's he's driving, helping me drive that away from me. So if I say, Father, I'm still struggling in a certain area. I still don't understand, because that's our biggest struggle, is I still don't understand some of this. Or if you come to me, either way, I can help drive that lack of understanding away from you by sharing the truth with you. And the truth will do what? Make you free. It'll cause you to experience freedom from that. And so what happened is we no longer believe the lie, and then the remission, freedom of sins uh, causes the the vanishing of sin, it just goes away. And I really believe that. I, it, I, I, uh, Judy Vanderberg wrote that song and, and it said, it's just one thought away. I believe it's just one thought away. Just one, 
if just reveal, apply the truth to one thought that's hindering you, so it'll just vanish, and you can say, oh, this is who I am, right? And if you really can say, this is who I am, then you start living out of it, and you don't listen to the lie anymore. I can't listen to the lie, family. People invite me. Yeah, I was invited the other day to come to our church of 38 years, and somebody's going to come there and sing and teach, and I know what they sing, and I know what they teach, and they, were, they said, you've got to come and hear these songs. They're so good. And I said, yeah, but they're not the truth. I can't do it. I can't sit there and fake it anymore. It's just like chalk on a chalkboard. And not so much for me, but I, I hurt because other people are hearing it. I'm one of those guys that's like Carol Madden's daughter that wants to stand up and say, this is a bunch of bull dung. <laughs> I don't want to offend anybody, so I'll say dung. <laughs> But I don't, sometimes I want to do that. Just stand up and say, you're not teaching the truth. But you know what they would do? They would motion to the ushers and you'd be out the door. They would do that to Jesus today and they would do that to Paul today. And they've done it because they've done it to that spirit that was in Jesus, that spirit that was in Paul, that mind. There are other ministers around this world that are taught and the church has rejected them and sent them away. But you know what? The truth is marching on. It'll always keep marching on. <clears throat> now let's look at Luke one seventy-seven. Time stands still. <laughs> Luke one seventy-seven in the King James uh, says, To give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. And so people look at that scripture and think, you know, he doesn't know what he's talking about. We have to, uh, the, the knowledge of salvation is because we were forgiven of our sins and people will fight for that. But when you look that up and you paraphrase it with a Greek in there, it says to bring forth a knowing in people, to cause them to be aware and be able to speak a man's wholeness, safety, health, and their rescue from that which hinders mankind, which is what? The symptoms, right? The symptoms by they themselves been aware of their freedom from the mistaken identity. I can tell you who you are, but you've got to become aware yourself. You have got to realize and know who you are. So we see again, Luke is writing about freedom from symptoms and the disease of sin. How to be free from the symptoms is get rid of the disease. And the sin is always the death that we believe we were abiding in as a result as a result, and it appeared that it's what we were. We thought, well, I'm, I'm sick because of this. I'm, this is going on in my life because of this. I've been there I've, many times in my past because I didn't get to go preach at a lot of places. I thought it's because I've done this or because I've done that or because I'm not friendly or because I don't. I, one guy told me that what you teach is okay, but it's your, pre, it's your presentation that's not good. A well-known minister told me that. And you know what? I just walked out and said, you don't know what you're talking about. It is. But you can believe that kind of stuff and it can hinder you. Yes. So the remission of sins, plural, is us recognizing and walking in awareness that if we, we no longer have the disease. When we say I don't have the disease, then I don't have these problems. If I say, you know, like they told me I have chronic migraines. Well, if I don't have migraines anymore, then there are no more chronic migraines. The symptoms I have sometimes is, is pain up in my head, ice pick pains, uh, numbness in my face, pressure there. Well, when the migraines go away, all those symptoms go away, right? Mm -hmm. But guess what they were dealing with was the symptoms 
They wanted me to do acupuncture. Uh, I have, for the pain in my back, they wanted to put a device in my abdomen and run wires up my spine and block the pain. Well, what good would that do to block the pain? The problem's still there, yeah. right? And then something else is going to come up. I might get an infection from that thing that you yeah. put inside of me, yeah. or it might damage my spine. Yeah. You know, and I'm not speaking against people that do those things. I, I've never been one that has so much pain. I'll say, do anything you can. And there are people that have that. But I'm just saying, that's not the life we want to live. What we want to do is we want to tap into our Christ mind that it can release the seven energies that's inside of our body to flow up our spine and up into our pineal gland and our pituitary gland, and it releases joy. I mean, I can feel it right now. Yeah. I feel, you ever feel those, yeah. that, that goosebumpy chill? It's not just the Holy Ghost. It's, it's an energy. It's a life energy that comes from your holy breath. I literally feel it in my body right now, flowing through my arms. I feel it coming up as I say that. And it's not just goosebumps. I'm telling you, the Father is allowing us to experience this. We just, by faith, make a withdrawal and say, I believe right now this is going through my body and making me every whit whole in this body because I believe it. I may not understand it all, but you know what? I'm researching it and I'm learning it. And, and I, I want you to know it because I know there's greater life than what we have today. Excuse me, that we're, than what we're experiencing today. We have the life, we're just not experiencing it the way we should. Amen. So let's see how to put all this together. The Mosaic Law said there had to be uh, a shedding of blood for remission and forgiveness. And we were taught that all of our life. And that's the law. We've always been free. We've always been whole. We've always been well-preserved. And we've always had everything that we need to live out of our Christ mind. It's always been here. So we have believed the lie. We live as sun and the earth today. And how do we do that? We allow our life energy again to freely flow through our entire being. We allow it. We just say, spring up, O well. That's the well. That's our life energy. There literally are seven energy fields in our body, which we will discuss sometime in the future. Kay's teaching it now, and I encourage you to go listen. But it's really good. There, the, you know when you go to a doctor's office and they've got this emblem on their, their, their uh, coat that they have? It's, it's like two snakes going around the spine. That's, that's the spinal column. And that's talking about in the bottom is the chrisma. Down in here, there's an oil that's released that's chrisma. And it flows through the body if it's allowed to flow. But there's blockages that stop that sometimes. Physical blockage, more than anything, mental, mental block. And we haven't been taught those things. And there's two types of oil. There's that chrisma. There's another oil that's produced that's a golden color. That's for the land of milk and honey flows. Right? And when it's allowed to flow and come all the way up your spine and it goes back and forth until it gets into the pituitary gland and the pineal gland and life begins to flow and function. And that's about as far as I want to go right now. <laughs> but it's exciting. We're fearfully, wonderfully made, but we were never taught to look within. We were never taught to understand there is a natural flow in our body that needs to function. And I've always said the greatest hindrance to Christ our life are to, is spiritual birth control. Whatever you bring into you that's not true, it hinders your energy fields. It hinders the very life of God from flowing through you and keeping this body sustained. Because God didn't make this body without an eternal a perpetual life source. 
You know, everything that man makes, it has to have a replacement, replacement batteries and things like that. But I'm telling you, we don't have to replace anything because it's all in us. It's in there. The proof is in the pudding. Right. <laughs> it's inside of us. So verse 27, uh, 24, 47 of Luke, and that repentance and remissions of sins should be preached in his name, which means nature, among all nations. Among all nations. So name means nature, and nations can be the awareness of men. Beginning in Jerusalem. So Jesus came to teach his generation. Right? And the very same mind or same awareness or holy breath that was in Jesus, let it be in you. But don't exalt yourself above people. Go forth and teach it to the nations in your generation. Right? So one of the meanings of repentance of being born is the same thing as, as being born again, if you would. Repentance or born, means to draw our thoughts from the voice of our holy breath. That's what it means. How can a man enter into the kingdom of God, Jesus? Or Roy, how can a man enter into the kingdom of God? What's the kingdom of God? Righteousness. It's, it's knowing that you're righteous, and it's the peace and joy that comes from that. So how can somebody do that today? Well, they need to, they need to conform, or, or, or excuse me, they need the realization that they've never been separate from God. They need the realization that they were born holy and righteous, right? And then what happens? They change their understanding. They change their awareness. Your awareness is what's robbing you. If, it's face, if, if you're aware of the wrong thing. So a sinner is simply one who does not have the proper understanding. They don't know who they are. That's a sinner. That's somebody that has the wrong identification. He does not understand his birthright. When people come to America... They, and they become citizens, they have a right to pursue happiness here. They have a right to do many things. But if they come here and continue to live as the country they came out of, that's a sin. You're missing, you're missing the mark. The mark was to live as an American. But what people do here is they want to bring their nation's flag with them, which is the mind of that nation, and they want to live that way, and they want us to conform to that way. I don't want to conform. I, I'm not against Islamic people. I'm not against Chinese. I'm not against any of that, but I don't want to conform to that. I am an American, yeah. right? This is, our, this is the country that we grew up in, but so everybody is so proud that we're so diversified, and we have all this mixture to the point that people don't know who they are, and they don't realize how wonderful this country is. It's interesting. The only body I hear running down these countries are politicians that want to control our life. They're, they believe a lie. So much that they look at how great this country is and they say we're the worst country in the world. And there's a lot of false stuff going around. Fake news. I saw a report the other day on uh, jobs and a list of jobs with Reagan and different other presidents. And Reagan and Donald Trump were right there together. I think uh, Donald Trump's was higher, though, in the jobs in America where people were working. But then somebody took it and they, they, uh, they photoshopped it and they moved Donald Trump to, uh, down to about 3%. And then guess what? People begin to share the lie mm -hmm. and therefore people believe the lie. Mm -hmm. Same thing they did in the Bible. God is the greatest there is, but yet they say, no, the devil's greater. 
They photoshopped it, <laughs> if you would, to the point that God, uh, a devil became more of a conversation than the love of God ever did, right? Most religious churches, you hear more about a devil than you ever hear about your father. You know why? Because the teachers don't know father. They know a version of father. Mm -mm -mm. <laughs> so remission is A-P-H-E-S-I-S, Aphis is, means freedom and liberty. And Jesus came to teach freedom and liberty. We were always free. And when we understand that, we're liberated from the disease. In other words, you're not a sinner. You're not a human. You are man. You are son. The symptoms are sent forth as no thing whatsoever. What they said about you is no thing. Don't give it a power. What your brain says about you is no thing. You think you're stupid, you think you're ignorant, you think you can't do stuff, you, the list goes on. It's no thing, it's not true. Don't, don't give it fruit by dwelling on it and speaking it out of your mouth. It's not true. I'm going to close here pretty soon, but the law required blood. The law always requires blood, right? I have, I've heard people, preachers say, well, I don't preach the law. Well, do you teach tithe to please God? Do you teach things that you need to do to become a better Christian? Then you're preaching the law. You may not be going through the Mosaic law and teaching all that, but you're still teaching the law. Anytime you teach, do something to be, you're teaching the law. It's a dead work. Jesus said we should repent from those dead works. That's what he was here for. As guys, he's talking to the Jews. You guys need to quit following the Mosaic law. My father never requested that or required that, ever. That's what he did. So... Even before Jesus appeared on the scene to his generation, there have been people who taught truth, but religiosity always came in and tried to rob it from people. Everyone needs to drink of the joy of the love of our Father. Everyone. You know that scripture in Revelation 14.10 where it says, Torment them with the wine of the wrath of God. And of course, that's grossly mistranslated. Wrath is love. The wine represents joy. Brimstone represents God. It's, it's, it starts out where it means sulfur, then it's uh, theos, which is godliness, and then it's theia, which is God. So travail them in birth with a joy of the love of God with the word of God. When you go through the word of God, teach the love of God, not the anger of God, not the wrath of God, not the indignation of God, not that we have a God that one day loves you and one day doesn't. Teach them with the wine of the love of God without mixture all right so people say well i i teach the love of god yeah but you add mixture to it you put your like kathy uh sims said you you uh what you believe comes after your butt so god loves you but daddy loves you son but if you don't mind me i'm gonna wear your butt out well see our father is not that way See, family, the problem is, is Adam, that generation, the first generation, if there was a first, whatever, their job is to continue to share the love of God. Continue to explain people to their children who you are. I translated, and I've told you that many times, the Bible says that God uh, created men, male and female, 
to recreate Him. God's. When we gave birth to our children, we were to tell them, you are Son of God. You are the image of God. You are the face of God. I guarantee you, 99.9% are less of the children in the world, or more of the children in the world, have never heard that they're the face of God. Oh, He looks like me. Oh, you know, He doesn't look like Oh, He looks more like you. And then we start watching them. Oh, this, this kid's bashful. This kid's, you know, all the stuff we labeled them with, and we never labeled them with the truth of who they were. And it was supposed to be taught generation after generation after generation after generation. So I want to tell you something. You ever heard of a relay race? You ever done that, Donna, in school? It's fun, wasn't it? So if you've ever seen a relay, uh, see a relay race, you know how important it is to pass that baton to the next runner. And you have to do it carefully, and you have to do it smoothly, and it needs to be done properly. Uh, it's just as important as having runners that can run fast. Because if you run really fast, it's good, and you need to run fast, but you need to be able to pass that baton without dropping it and do it properly. And this was demonstrated in the 1996 Olympics, and I remember that. The clear favorite in the four 100 relay was, uh, competition was the United States. And the race has been won by the United States 75% of the time. And the U.S. always puts together four of the fastest sprinters in the world to do that. Well, in 1996, the team lost to the Canadian team. And why did this happen? Well, they were disqualified because of an improper passing of the baton. And I relate that to an improper teaching of the Word of God. The truth will make you free, but if you mix your belief with the truth, you're disqualified. And I'm just going to talk to Kay about this. One of these days, we need to go through the Old Testament where it talked about what disqualified a priest and how that spiritually really, you can't be humpback, can't have a hook, no, all kinds of stuff. People. And I think there's some really spiritual truths to that. But they were disqualified because of that, and they lost the, lay, uh, the race. First time ever. The Bible compares our, la- our life to a race, does it not? Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of messengers or witnesses, let us lie aside every weight and the sin, mistaken identity, which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. What is the race? To pass on the truth, to teach the truth to generation after generation after generation. And many people are doing it illegally. They're doing it wrong and you're you're disqualified. You shouldn't be teaching. Mm -hmm. Now that's pretty strong. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be teaching if you don't know the truth. (laughs) You think a medical school is going to let a doctor that's still living out of what they taught in the 1950s to get up and teach how to operate on a person's brain today? Then why in the world does religiosity let preachers get up that's, that's teaching what they learned in college in 1969 and in 1970 and all that stuff and they read Matthew Henry's and they can quote it backwards and forward and all that stuff. Why are we letting them keep teaching? And what are they putting out? A bunch of sinners. Woo. I'm going to get in trouble. If, we have a, if we're going to have a college or seminary 
We need to have a seminary that teaches the pure gospel of Jesus Christ without mixture. I, I, I can't be part of something that has people listen to stuff that they've been listening to all their lives. I, I don't want to sit in a church where the preachers and the Sunday school teachers keep teaching a sin consciousness because all they're going to do is confirm what they've been taught all their life and they're still going to believe the lie. Then they're going to graduate and get their degree and they're going to go out and they're going to make a mistake and they're going to drop the baton that they really never had. So I want you to know it's not just a race. It's, just, it's not just any race. It's a relay race. We're supposed to pass on the truth to every generation. Father's not only con concerned about how you run, uh, how you run or how I run, he cares just as much about the runners after us. Because it says, it says uh, travail, not torment. It says travail them with the joy of the love of God, with the word of God, without mixture. And our Bibles have tremendous about a mixture, but you can listen to your holy breath. You can find comforter teachers that have been equipped to grind it out, make it palatable, and help people to stand up as one man if you want to. But if you're happy with what you're still doing, jumping here and there and listen to these heavy rebbies and these heavy rebbies, but they're still confirming the sin consciousness, which is the sin then your whatever baton you pass on, it's going to be it's going to have mixture in it. So the relay race that God has us running began in the beginning. Who was to pass on their baton to their children, and then pass it on to their children and their children's children, and on and on and on. So people would always know who they are and live as sun in the earth. Every generation shining that light truth. That bright truth that shines brighter and brighter and brighter. The question is, are you one who is looking at the light and tasting to see that our Father is nothing but good? That's what we need to be looking for. So there's a historical story, and I'm going to close with this, if you want to turn to Judges 2.6. In the Old Testament, that pictures the need of passing on the truth that we learn, uh, passing on to future generations. My heart burns for my children to hear this. I can't make them do it. They, they know some. They know quite a bit about what we've learned and what we teach. But I, I want them to hear the explanation so they can pass it to their children and their children's children and their children's children. I know there's a desire inside because particularly I have two daughters that are searching. They really are. And they send links to me to places. But I want them to hear where it points to their father, not to the universe. I don't want it to be some kind of humanism thing where it's just us and nobody else. Judges 2.6. <clears throat> and when Joshua had dismissed the people, the children of Israel went each to his own inheritance to possess the land. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. And I believe that served there was they were just living as God and they're living in fellowship with God who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servants of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. And they buried him within the borders of his inheritance at timnath Heres in the mountains of Ephraim, on the north side of Mount Gosh. 
when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, in other words, everybody that loved God and heard the truth and everything, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. What happened there? They didn't pass on the baton. They were busy, let it be about them. They were busy, probably got involved in the Mosaic Law and began to do all that stuff. And they begin to only care about themselves and not pass it on to future generations. That's something some, I've always been concerned about, about the conferences I used to go to. I always said, where are the children? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The parents came. No kids. Because we were wanting to learn something for ourselves, for the most part. Verse 11. Then the children of Israel did evil, which you can say restless things, in the sight of the Lord, and served the Baals, B-A-A-L-S. That's that God Baal. They forsook, forsook the Lord God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt, and they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them, and they bowed down to them. That's when the, uh, the, all these false gods worshipers were allowed to come into the temple and brought mythological and paganistic and brought the lie into the church, if you would. So there's no need for this to happen to our generation. If we would stop teaching the lie of religiosity, we could pass on the truth to generation after generation after generation. I believe there are people, I know there are around the internet, around the world, I believe there are people right here in our city that would love to hear the message of love. We need to get it to them somehow. We must teach what has been a foreign language. We thought the foreign language was saying some words that nobody knew what they meant. And we thought that was a sign that we got the Holy Ghost and everything. And again, I say, if you speak in a a language that people can't understand and it brings you help, go ahead. I'm not against it. I've done it before. Sometimes when I'm really praying, it just starts coming out because it's been in my brain forever. But I know that's not the foreign language that Paul was talking about. It's the message of love. People are dying to hear. They're dying to hear. And dying never have heard the love of God or the eternal love of the Father or who we are as son. When uh, when I did the funeral for uh, memorial service for Wanda Budden the other day, I had no no, uh, regret and no concerns that she died not knowing that God loved her. She was not afraid. And I've been to so many people before they pass that they're afraid, they're not sure. You can tell they do not have that confidence. But she sat under the gospel truth. She sat under Mark Hamby for many years, and then she came to us and became part of us. And I, I know she did not want to die. She did not want to leave her body. But it got to the point that her body couldn't hold her, and she was suffering and she said the Lord spoke to her and said she, was, she could go. And I, that's what I was praying, that she would hear a voice and say, let go. And she did. But there are people that are dying, literally dying, needing to hear the message of the love of God. So if you're going to teach, if you're going to preach, make sure you understand the love of God. Amen. Make sure that baton that you're passing on doesn't have any mixture in it. Make sure that it's the joy of the love of God. And too many people have walked out of churches Sunday after Sunday not really feeling any joy whatsoever. And it's the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen? Amen. All right. Hope you enjoy that. Love you. Guys, appreciate you being here.
Hi, Kay. Good to see you on here. Stay warm. <laughs> minus eight degrees. I can't imagine that. I'm sure it's going up to minus two probably or something like that. So we love you very much. And as I said, Kay is not going to be uh, teaching her series today, but I think she told me she is going to get live on Facebook and teach some other things. So tune in there. I'm going to be. So we bless you very much. Bye-bye.